Our Infinitely Loved podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Koos. We believe that loving yourself is the key to transforming every aspect of your life. And it's our hope that these conversations bring you one step closer towards embracing this truth. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of You Are Infinitely Loved. Today, we are in a different setup than usual. We are podcasting from my hotel room in Phuket, Thailand, where our beloved Sam lives. And an added bonus, our dear friend Katie Coyle is here with us. Welcome. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here. This has just been a dream week. It's been so much fun to get to see you guys do your thing, do some speaking for You Are Infinitely Loved, and get to spend some quality time with you girls. So to begin with, since I only met you this week, listeners out there, I have not much of an idea who Katie is and what she does. So (laughs) Katie, please let us all know, what do you do and how did you kind of become interested in self-love yourself? Mm. So I am a nurse. I work in pediatrics. I work a lot with kids and families. I am also a mom of three kids. I have twins who are eight and I have a baby who just turned one. Are you telling me you've just left three children home alone whilst you're here in Phuket? I absolutely did. (laughs) Spending for themselves, people. Don't call community services. The dog's in charge. (laughs) Yes, it's been a good practice in practicing what I preach and uh, doing some (laughs) self-care. So, Katie, I have known you for seven years, and we met kind of in the throes of some intense parenting season. We both had, uh, I think, two and and three-year-olds or one and two-year-olds. Yep. We've blacked out and we we don't remember a lot of this season, but I've had the pleasure of seeing you really embrace and grow in who you are. And one thing that really stands out to me is you are an excellent parent. You are the go-to for our friend group that um, when we have questions about not only nurse stuff, like my kid has this fever, will they die? (laughs) But also, (laughs) you've gotten that. We definitely have a text chain with some diaper photos. Um, (laughs) Please do not include me on this text chain, ever. (laughs) Noted. But I think um, not only do we go to you for the medical stuff, we also go to you for our social learning stuff. Is this normal? Um, And for me, as I've been focusing more and more on self-love, my questions have been, um, how do you do self-love in parenting? Mm -hmm. Because I don't know about you, this is the toughest job I've ever had. Mm -hmm. My kids are real cute, love them so much. And also, (laughs) Uh we're a bunch of humans living in one house together. Yep. So I would love, it's messy. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to share a little bit about your journey through Mm self-love. Like where did this interest or this work begin for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's kind of a couple parts to answer that. The first, I would say, I think self-love and parenting is so very important because there, for most people, isn't anything we care more about. Like our hearts and our time, we are so invested in our children and we care so much. And so I think a lot of times we bring a perfectionism to the table, like we want to get this right. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Wait, Katie, are you saying that you're a perfectionist? <laughs> Me never. <laughs> okay, maybe a little bit. <laughs> but I think that's such a common thread when I talk to my friends, what I see in myself when I'm working with my patients, moms and parents, but I'm speaking specifically, like I'm involved in a lot of mom groups. 
just care so much and they want to get it right. But what ends up happening is that they hold themselves to a standard that's not possible for anyone to meet. And so they end up, myself included, feeling like they're spending most of their time failing. And that is just a really hard place to be in. And I think it often can lead to anxiety, to depression, to feelings of failing your children. And and that's just a really hard place to be in. And it's hard to know how to move forward from that. So that's kind of my entry point is working with knowing my own story and working with parents to help them see themselves in a more holistic, loving way. Okay, so now we enter the part of our podcast where it's story time. (laughs) My favorite. Your favorite. (laughs) I would love to hear, you've had a rough path to becoming a mom. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear about how becoming a mother looked for you Mm. and some of your struggles that, I don't know, maybe were not Mm self-loving. Yeah, share a little bit about that. Okay. So a little bit of a backstory is I, my mom's a midwife, so I spent most of my childhood sitting in the back of childhood education classes. Um, (laughs) Katie, please tell them what your mom had on your Christmas tree as a child. Um, Yes, let's have some ornaments and also some speculums hanging from the Christmas tree because (laughs) that sounds fun. (laughs) I would rush around the house and clean things up um, before my friends would come over. But I was raised in a really quite a healthy, I feel like, environment as a woman, but also definitely had a sense of this is just part of what our bodies do. And so when we, my husband and I started trying to have a child, uh, we were very surprised to find out that we had several infertility issues. So things got kind of complicated. The path was a lot longer and more difficult than we had anticipated. And it led to um, a lot of deep body shame. Like I felt like what is wrong with my body? This is not what it's quote unquote supposed to do. And that just both came with pieces of anxiety as well as deep sadness and also a lot of shaming of myself and my body. We ultimately did end up um, conceiving twins with IVF and then had a really, really difficult pregnancy. We were in the hospital for about four months. And so from that, my role as a helper and as a nurse was totally flipped upside down and I needed everybody to do everything for me. And I think in that process, also carried a lot of shame and asking for help. Like you, Lindsay, I'm an Enneagram too, <laughs> which means I'm very good at identifying my own needs and asking for help. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I would like to interject here as your friend. I think when people meet you, you are such a helper. Mm-hmm. You are really compassionate. You're empathetic. You will drop anything for anyone to help them. Um, I A lot of that's probably, you know, natural intuitive to you but also your nurse training yeah you know as a nurse you are doing all the helping Mm -hmm. and you aren't really asking for your needs to be met when you're the nurse and so tell me about that dynamic yeah yeah it was so hard I feel like my identity was wrapped up in helping people and when I had nothing to bring to the table and nothing to offer I wasn't quite sure who I was Mm -hmm. and I think this happens a lot in parenting in general like if you leave a specific role or job or training that you've had and are at home with your children, I think there's so much um, identity crisis that can happen. And so although my story looked like bed rest and NICU and all of that, I think it's really a common theme for a lot of parents to go through a crisis of identity when they become parents and their role shifts so greatly. Mm-hmm. So I think that there that's a huge piece of the self-love not only are you in a time of transition when you become a parent, but also you've often lost a huge piece or part of your identity. 
And also from a female perspective, you have these huge shifting hormones. And so I think it's kind of a perfect storm for a crisis of, of not loving yourself well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's part of why I've become so passionate about helping parents to be practice self-care, practice self-love and be aware of their stories. So one of the things I'm interested in is you mentioned there was like body shame for you Mm -hmm. in your story around your body not functioning as it should, but it kind of, the way you speak about it sounds like you speak about it with an awareness of that situation. And I'm wondering, Mm -hmm. did that come with hindsight, this awareness of a lack of self-love? Like, were you loving yourself through that time or is it only in recent years that you've realized the need to be more self-loving and that you weren't like when did Mm. when did you even realize that you were shaming yourself yeah so that that came later for sure I didn't realize like if I could go back in time I'd give my 26 year old self a huge hug and Mm. say what you're going through is so hard none of you know I didn't have peers that had gone through this yet because I was young and so I just kind of felt like you know, put your game face on, do your thing, do what you're told, and didn't realize until later that this really is a life-altering thing to go through, and it affects every area of your life. It affects your intimate relationship. It affects your your finances, your body, and so I, I do wish I had seen it with more of a lens of self-compassion to say, mm-hmm. this is a hard situation. It's okay to ask for help, and it's okay to admit that it's hard. For me, kind of the breaking point for me and the entry into self-love came, I have this very distinct memory. So the twins were probably, they were one and a half about because we were going to the pumpkin patch. So it was Mm. in the fall. We'd gone through this, this season of infertility. We've gone through a season of having the kids in the hospital and NICU. And then we're parenting premature twins. So... I saw that all as kind of just what we were up against without thinking about how that was affecting my body or mind. It was just kind of do the next step. But what often happens when kind of a crisis is over is there comes a point where your body is really exhausted and Mm -hmm. won't keep going. Mm -hmm. There's this really fascinating book called The Body Keeps Score. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe we can link to it in Mm -hmm. the notes. But it really talks about how stress and fatigue add up and your body does not forget that. And so basically that's, I think what happened to me, we were caring for twins and then I had gone back to work in a job that was not the right fit for me anymore. I loved it before having kids, but it was really triggering after our experience. What was that job? So I was working in a, in a children's hospital on a neurosurgical floor. So I loved the work But I just didn't have the emotional ability to invest in that Mm -hmm. way at that time. But again, I told myself, like, lots of nurses here have young kids. Like, just suck it up, buttercup. Totally, totally keep doing your thing. Like, and that was true. Like, Mm -hmm. certainly most of them had kids, but my story is not their story. Theirs is not mine. You know, there wasn't an awareness or an acceptance of like giving myself the compassion to say, Mm this isn't the right season for this right now. And Mm -hmm. this is too much for you right now. Mm. So basically I, we were driving to the pumpkin patch and I just burst into tears. I was exhausted and anxious and told my husband, like, I can't keep going like this anymore. Like this isn't working for me. And prior to this Mm -hmm. in your life, I knew to be an incredibly high achiever, Mm, straight A student, (laughs) right? 
And so you hadn't had a season yet of quote unquote failure or low achievement or the inability to power through something. This was like your first hit up against that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I felt, and what was so painful about it was I felt like this was the thing I wanted more than anything in life. And I loved being their mom. And also I was so exhausted and overwhelmed. And a huge part of my self-love journey has been been about acknowledging the fact that you can be both very grateful for something and also find it really hard. And it's Mm -hmm. okay for both of those things to exist together. And I think that's a piece that so many parents are missing. Mm -hmm. Like they feel like if they complain about their children or they ask for help or they you know, say, this is really hard. I really need more tools and more help that they're saying they don't love their children or, you know, like there's this impossible standard that we hold ourselves to. Do you feel like because of, especially having infertility, absolutely doing a lot of investment, money, time, mm-hmm. energy into getting pregnant, having children, yes, there's almost a sense of, if I'm not grateful every moment of the day, I am terrible person. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not that I think like postpartum anxiety or depression or these things don't come up in other situations because they absolutely do. But I do think that when you've gone through any sort of trauma or loss, it's just a bit heightened mm-hmm. and you're just a bit more aware of the situation. And so I definitely feel like if I admitted even to myself that I was anxious and struggling and needed help, that somehow I'd be saying I wasn't grateful for my Mm -hmm. children Mm -hmm. and that's not at all true but that was the lie I was telling myself Mm -hmm. so when you kind of admitted to your husband that you know you couldn't keep going like this it wasn't working for you like what were some of the tools or the Mm -hmm. things that you did to kind of like what was the help or support Mm -hmm. that you got Mm -hmm. yeah so body work actually was a huge piece for me so acupuncture became a regular practice for me I'd done some reading I really love holistic health kind of this integration of mind body spirit and one of the greatest side effects across the board for acupuncture whatever you're getting it for is decreased stress and better sleep Mm -hmm. and those were two of the things I desperately needed I also started doing a regular yoga practice I started doing some childcare exchanges with friends because it was hard, you know, anyone who's in the thick of parenting, the juggle is hard and it was hard for me to leave right when my husband got off work. He was very supportive, but like to go exercise with them, we wouldn't see each other. So I started to make some shifts and juggles in our schedule to allow some time for me to take care of my body and my mind mm-hmm. and to not feel selfish for doing that. Mm-hmm. I think that was the big shift was even though I would never tell another mom, you're selfish for taking care of yourself, I felt that. Mm -hmm. And so it was a shift to say, and it was me. I had good support. I had support of family. I had a supportive spouse. I just didn't believe it for myself, which I hear so often from other moms. Like, that's great for you. You Mm -hmm. should take care of you. I would never tell you not to do that, but I'm not going to do it for myself. Mm -hmm. So... And it's hard to even hear that now because I'm like, oh, no, that's crazy. Like, Mm -hmm. you cannot pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the thick of it and you're exhausted, your perspective is so Mm -hmm. off. So you have a lot of compassion for late 20s, early 30s, Katie. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I just want to give her a big hug. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I think you and I were going through a similar season at the same time. And I think that's where I see so much of our paths crossing. Mm -hmm. 
And I receive so much support from you. Mm, And vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yep. It really is an interesting thing where if Katie were to tell me, um, I'm struggling, I need help, I would have been absolutely, Katie, what do we got to do? Let me help you. How do we figure this out? But for me to admit my own needs Mm -hmm. would have felt like failure, like push harder through this. Like you'll get through this. You don't need extra help. Yeah. And I think that is a story I hear over and over and over again with moms. Yep. Absolutely. Or parents. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would agree with that. So for parents who are struggling with their own self-love or one, actually one of the things I know that you're passionate about, right, is helping also kids mm-hmm. with building their own self-love. Mm-hmm. And so can you share some of the tools and the ways that you work with children? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is kids watch their parents, right? So setting an example, like it is absolutely okay to say to your kids, hey, we are going to do a family game night later and I'm really excited to do that. But first, mommy's going to go for a run and then daddy's going to go for a run because we need to take care of our bodies and minds too. And then we're all going to play together. I think it is so okay and actually so important to set that example for your kids because it lets them know you are a part of your family also. Mm -hmm. And every person in your family, you're a team and every person has needs and that is healthy and that is normal. And the goal being that eventually, like if they're in a relationship, like they are allowed to say to their partner, you know, what do you need for you? And also this is what I need. And Mm -hmm. that is a beautiful, healthy thing to have in a relationship. So you're basically modeling your children. How do you take up space? Yep. How do you own it that you need it and mm-hmm. that you're worthy of it? Mm-hmm. So that is a really foundational yeah. piece of self-love. Yeah. yeah. And I would say another huge piece is practicing growth mindset as a family value. So mm. I don't know if you guys have talked much about growth mindset on here, but basically the idea is that our abilities and our brains are not fixed, but are growing. So it values a process over perfection. Because I think when we hold our kids or ourselves or our families to a standard of of perfection, everybody loses. Like it does not set anybody up to win. I think expecting perfection from ourselves or our kids sets us up to be reactive instead of proactive. You know, when something doesn't go well, like things will always come up with kids. And when that happens, if we're expecting perfection, we blow up. And so I think that having a growth mindset as a family, like saying to our kids, you know, I messed up. I'm still working on this. I'm still working on, you know, communicating this and or I messed this up with you and I'm really sorry I'm working on it. Modeling that for them that we are growing. We are all growing. We are growing together as a family is such a helpful tool. And I do want to say I love so a lot of your listeners probably also love Brene Brown. Queen Brene Brown, (laughs) you mean? Please show respect for our queen. Yeah, but she uses this analogy that I keep coming back to in my own life, and I love it so much. She talks about when she looks back at her family's life and at her children's life, she thinks of it as like a scrapbook. So what that means is there will be photos that you see that are not flattering. There will be photos where you're like, oh, that was kind of an awkward stage. Or, oh, that's not my best angle. Never. <laughs> I always looked impeccable. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Especially in the acne teenage phase, right? Speak for yourself, Katie. Um, but Unrelatable. I, I've never had a single body issue, ever. Oh, my. Please listen to our second episode on yes. you're in 
But if you set the the family culture and family value, that if you look at the whole scrapbook, it's one of love, it's one of belonging, it's one of acceptance, there will be hard pages, hard seasons, unflattering photos, and that's okay. There's space for that. None of us are getting this right Mm -hmm. all the time. But can we set it as a family value that love and belonging and acceptance are the theme of our book? Mm -hmm. Give me some practical examples of what you mean by this. Mm, Okay. So, for example, children learn, and I'm speaking mainly here of kind of neurotypical children in in a developmental sense, but children learn through example, which we talked about, but also through story and through play. So... Kids understand the world. When they are playing house and school and truck driver and these games, they are imitating our behavior, and that's how they learn social skills. So self-love is really a... Apologies for the motorbike. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when you record in Thailand. (laughs) Self-love is really a social-emotional skill. Like, we talk to kids a lot about how do you want to treat your friends, but a lot of times the part we skip when we do this is how do you want to treat yourself Mm -hmm. right like because we'll say most philosophies have kind of this golden rule idea treat others as you want to be treated or love others how you want to be loved such as this but like often we focus so much on the piece with kids of how do you treat your friends but we aren't saying if we talk to our friends like we talk to ourselves we would be (laughs) not having any friends, right? Mm -hmm. And so we need to emphasize this with our kids. So the way that that would look through play would be like role-playing with your kids, right? Like if they're having a conflict at school, play out the roles. And, you know, use we'll use with my kids like their Lego sets, you know, and play out a story that's happening at school. This social play and social thinking is how they learn. Mm -hmm. So get down on their level, get at their eye level, relate with them, and use play and story as tools to teach them about self-compassion. I feel like, Katie, one of the things that has been so interesting to me is this topic of flooding. Mm, uh You know, um, you talk a little bit about, well, give the example about how you use taking the temperature and the blood pressure of your family. Yeah. Use your nurse talk. Totally, (laughs) totally. So I'm also married to a nurse, so often it sounds like we're, like, giving each other a patient report. Um, Which child, you know, used the bathroom at which time and which got a med at which time and all of this. (laughs) But um, often, so there's this idea, and it's really fascinating. So what I would say is kids understand so much more than we give them credit for. So explain things to your kids. So, like, for example... When our kids are feeling anxious and upset, like I actually explained to them, when you're feeling like this, your brain's not getting enough oxygen. They understand that. And often we just say, like, just take your breaths. But kids want to know why. And they understand the science behind it a lot more than we give them credit for. So explain to them what's happening in their body. And that also that embodiment practice of connecting their thoughts and their body is a lifelong Mm. healthy habit. And so if you can get them to explain, you know, like, how are you feeling right now? And they can say, you know, when I'm worried like this, my belly hurts and my heart feels funny and I feel sweaty. That is teaching them to pick up on clues in their body. And it helps to cut down on shame because they realize, like, this is a biologic response. This is what's happening in my body. This is normal. And here's some tools that we can use to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So, and I also, I think teaching them, so for example, like 
I think that the caregivers in the house, we, my husband and I as two nurses, kind of use examples of vital signs, right? So we'll say to one another, like, the pulse of our family is racing right now, or the temperature is way too hot. Like, we need to cool things down. Like, when would you say that? What so would be going on? So, for example, on? say one of us is very frustrated with one of the kids, and I just can't relate. Again, this doesn't happen in my family, so... Hmm. Interesting thoughts. Tell me more. When I parent in my dreams, this never happens. (laughs) Totally. So like one of us will get home from work and the other one you can just see in their face, right? Like I have had enough. Like I need help. Like, and so we'll say to one another, my blood pressure is sky high. Like I need you to take over here. Just putting it in terms of recognizing what's going on in your body, Mm -hmm. recognizing what's going on in your kids' bodies. And also setting each other up for success. So like, for example, say you're dealing with a big social issue with your child and you also know it's after school and their blood sugar is crashing, right? Like set yourself and your children up for success. So get them a snack. You should know that my children know Miss Katie as the snack queen. (laughs) If I say, hey, we're having a play date um, with Katie going to the park and they're like yes I hope she brings some good snacks because she's a snack lady I love that so much my number one parenting tool just feed them <laughs> there just are times the coming. she's chasing your kids around the uh park with a granola bar just just one bite just <laughs> no I actually do that <laughs> so I think this relates to flooding what we were Earlier, before we started recording this podcast, you were talking to me about them when they're taking breaths mm-hmm. and getting them to repeat something mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. as they did that. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So basically, the idea, coming back a little bit to the idea of flooding, is when you get this surge of stress hormone is what's happening in your brain. And then you have a biologic response to that, which is your heart rate goes up. You get sweaty. You feel nauseous. You know, And often this will happen when kids are anxious, mm-hmm. when they're angry. We call it being in the red zone, which means they are like red hot. They have flipped their lid and we need to calm down. So what is going on at your house, Katie? (laughs) It's when the snacks run out. Yeah, just a blood sugar crash. Come on. I hope Ah. you know I'm absolutely joking. This is any parent out there, this is the most relatable thing. Bedtime. (laughs) Um but I think often as parents and also as kids, we feel deep shame when we lose our stuff. Like when we yell at our kids, when they freak out, they'll often come back to me, Mama, I'm so sorry. And I just want as much as is possible to remove shame from that equation because we all get flooded. This happens to everybody. And so I try to incorporate self-love and self-compassion when they have flooded. So for example, I have a printable, like for each of the kids that just says really simply 10 times I am loved and they do their deep breaths. Like they'll take 10 deep breaths and with each breath they'll say, I am loved. I am loved. And the idea is that you're creating pathways in their brain. Our brains create pathways through repetition. So even if it feels funny to do that in the moment. Now, I do want to say, like, when they are red, red hot, this doesn't work. <laughs> so this is more yellow zone. So as they're Before coming down. they get to the murderous stage. After the snack. Yeah. Then we do the self-compassion. <laughs> but no, what it does is it creates pathways in their brain to realize, I feel shame when I, you know, yell at my sister and totally lose my cool. But... 
we are helping as parents and caregivers to create pathways of self-compassion when they're feeling that way because it does retrain their brain and create pathways of self-compassion. I wish this information was around when I was a kid. This would be very (laughs) helpful to have learned at eight instead of 37. (laughs) Katie, as we come to a full circle here, Mm -hmm. tell me about as you've implemented these skills and tools with your kids, Mm. has it affected how you see yourself Mm -hmm. and reduced the shame and anxiety you have felt around being a parent time we're about to go (laughs) so the first thing I'll say kind of a funny story is um, be careful what tools you give your kids because they will come back to bite you (laughs) oh yes my kids will say things to me like mom are you taking your breaths or mom are you having a sticky thought and I'm like oh dang it why did I give them those that language (laughs) so but yeah absolutely like it's just helped me tremendously to be able to verbalize my needs to be able to recognize myself as a part of our family and to offer myself, I automatically believe the best of my children. Mm -hmm. Like I love them and I am for them and I automatically believe the best about them. But to flip that and also say, Mm -hmm. I want to choose to believe the best about myself Mm -hmm. as well and to see myself as a work in progress and not feel so so hard on myself and down on myself when things don't go perfectly because with children they rarely do. So I feel like I am much more willing to offer myself grace and much more willing to verbalize what what I need mm-hmm. with my kids, with my partner, with my community. Mm-hmm. So for parents that are hearing this and that are loving these types of tools, mm-hmm. I know you actually create tools, right, mm-hmm. for to help parents with children going through anxiety and things like that Mm -hmm. do you want to just tell our listeners our parents out there who may need them where they can Mm -hmm. find that stuff yeah yeah so I love kind of geeking out about this stuff I love child development I love pediatrics so I have a website it's called nursemomshop.com and I list on their resources and tools so there's a link to all of my favorite books there's a lot of books on there about growth mindset and um, social emotional learning as well as holistic health this has been more about the self-compassion piece Mm -hmm. but I think they are so intertwined so there's also information about nutrition and I think that we are holistic beings. So, but yeah, on there, there is a link to different resources, to different ideas that we've shared here. Katie, of course, I think that you're the most amazing guest. Mm -hmm. I love being with you both here in Thailand on this dream trip. We might miss our flight home. (laughs) (laughs) I would say this thread I've seen in you where you have blended brilliantly your background as a nurse, as a caregiver into this amazing space of caregiving for yourself while you're caregiving for others. And you are crazy loving and in love with your kids. Anyone could see that. Um, You go to all the ends of the earth to make sure they get their needs met. And it's been really beautiful for me to see you flip the script too, to see you get your own needs met. For instance, taking this dream trip to Thailand. Um, But just to notice that this back and forth thing of caregiving for others and caregiving for self as a nurse, you know, going through infertility as a new mom, as a seasoned mom is just a really beautiful thing to witness. So I'm super thankful to be your friend IRL. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and honestly, like, I feel like there's a few people in your life that you just can't imagine your life without. And you're totally one of those people. Like I, 
as we were going through this second pregnancy, which we didn't really hit on, but it's been a cool experience to kind of rewrite the script and go through an experience with a more self-loving lens. And you have been absolutely instrumental. Like I often will joke with people that I hear your voice in the back of my head, like reframing. We all do. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling like this is going to go terribly. And Lindsay Bong would say, I wonder if it might go better than you think. (laughs) And it's so helpful to hear that positive reframe. And what I love about the work you do is it doesn't discount the hard stuff. Like, I don't feel like you negate the fact that, like, this might bring up some stuff for you. This might be hard. But also, it's that and also piece. You are a resilient person and you have a lot of tools. And so it may go better than you think. And so thank you for helping me reframe everything in a more healthy way. Stop, stop. Keep going. <laughs> and whilst I jump in on this gush fest. <laughs> I mean, it's been amazing getting to know you, Katie, this week. And I'm so happy that both of you lovely women came Mm. to Thailand to visit me. But I wonder if just before we leave, if you have any words that you could share for any parent Mm. who is feeling like they're not doing it well enough Mm. and that they're still got, they're gripped by perfectionism and they feel like they're the worst parent in the world, Mm. what would be your message for them? I would tell them you are not alone. I work with parents every day and we are all in this together. None of us feel like we've got this down. We know what we're doing. All of us are a work in progress and we are all trying to figure this out as we go. So I would tell parents, look for your people. Look for a support network for people that you can call when things aren't pretty and they aren't going well and you're frustrated. People that will speak truth and love into your life when you may not be able to see it in that moment for yourself. Katie, you're brilliant. You know this already. (laughs) Today has been such a joy to be here in Thailand with you, with Sam, and talking about our favorite topic, uh, self-love. And how to bring more love into the world. And we leave this podcast. We thank you for joining us with our message that you are infinitely loved. Thanks, everyone. Before we let you go, we want to tell you about some exciting news for the You Are Infinitely Loved team. This summer, we will be holding some in-person events in Portland, Oregon. So if this is something that interests you, please come on over to our website at www.youareinfinitelyloved.com. Dot com and sign up to our newsletter because we will be releasing all of the details very soon. We really hope to see you in person. That website again is www.youareinfinitelyloved.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode.